This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Listeners, I am so excited to welcome Remy Morimoto Park to the podcast today, also known as Veggiekens on social media. Remy, I wonder if you can give us a you know a little bit of intro and uh, let us know really about yourself and how you got started with Veggiekens. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat today. And um, I started my food blog many years ago. I am a vegan recipe developer, so that's primarily the content that I share. I love to cook. I love to share recipes that make plant-based eating helpful and just very easy for everyone and kind of a little bit more fun than salad. Um, and aside from that, I love holistic living, wellness, and I'm very passionate about animals and also small actions that make a big impact for the planet. Absolutely. Um, and actually, you know, before we get into talking about vegan based eating and really thinking about some of the work you've done with your blog and your social media accounts, um, you know, listeners, one thing that Remy and I were talking about before we pressed record was, you know, thinking about the world of sustainability and how we're all not, you know, perfect. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a bit. But I'm curious to know, like, Remy, as as you you know, have you always been a vegan or, you know, how did you get started actually like thinking more about, um, you know, vegan based eating and especially with this lens of, you know, not being the most perfect person in the world as none of us are like, tell me a little bit about your journey. Um, so I actually started, I guess the vegan journey when I was in college and initially it was because I had these terrible stomach aches all the time. I realized we're linked to dairy. A lot of people struggle with like digesting dairy, especially Asian people. Actually, it's very common. Um, so I cut the dairy and I think by nature, I was just experimenting with a lot more vegan recipes because, you know, a dairy-free mac and cheese is essentially a vegan mac and cheese. And I started to see the term all over, like on the blogs I was reading, you know, it was kind of a little bit more trendy at the time, but I didn't really understand what it really meant. I kind of thought of it more as a diet more than anything. And I approached it from definitely a health perspective because that's what I noticed first that I felt so great. I could feel a physical difference for like the first time in my life. Um, but I think the more that I immersed myself in the lifestyle and I got to meet other vegans and you know, I joined my school's vegetarian and vegan club, that's when it kind of started to make a little bit more sense to me. And I think the reason why I'm still vegan now, I don't know if it really would have stuck if I hadn't learned about kind of the environmental impacts and also, of course, the ethical impacts. Um, so the longer I was vegan, the more I fully understood what that meant. And I also think it healed a lot of things for me. Um, I got sober around the same time as well. I think I was just being a lot more intentional about the things that I was consuming and the choices that I was making. Um, but it was the first time in my life that I really felt good about a lifestyle choice and also eating food. You know, that's something that I struggled with for a very long time. Um, so yeah, that just all kind of 
went together and it was great. It was a huge lifestyle shift for me. And I would say the environmental aspect and kind of the more sustainability stuff that kind of came towards the tail end where it just kind of made sense to me. I felt like I took on this lens of looking at the world in a more compassionate way and trying to learn compassion for myself too. Um, so I owe that all to veganism. <laughs> so I, I love that journey. And I, and I feel like the way that most of us get into sustainable living is just like that. It's not necessarily that we have this aha moment about the environment, right? Um, some people, they, they do that way, but I think most of us kind of have, you know, a situation in our life that makes us stop and think. And so, yes, for you, it was, you know, uh, you know, a dairy intolerance. Um, for me, it was just like thinking about my fashion consumption and just how, I had been raised in this kind of like hyper consumer culture and then had gotten my career started there and thought, wait a second, like, I think this is probably not the best way for me to live. And also, you know, it's not the best way for us to live from the planet's perspective. Um, And so, so so tell, tell us a little bit more. So, okay, you, you, you started to become vegan. Um, well, you started to cook with vegan, um, you know, ideals, then kind of started to style yourself as a vegan. It made a lot more sense. Um, when did you start to like build a brand around vegan food and then the blogging aspect? How did that, how did that start for you? Um, it's a really funny story, actually. I was in college and I think I mentioned, uh, my relationship with food. So I was working through an eating disorder actually. And, I started the Instagram account as a food accountability log and working with a nutritionist and a therapist. So it wasn't really supposed to be public facing at all, um, which I think is why I'm so comfortable being really open and transparent, maybe more so than the average person online. I kind of treated it like an online diary. Um, and then because it's connected to Facebook and you know the nature of social media, like a bunch of my friends found it. And I was like, instead of deleting the account, I'm just going to make it a little bit more appetizing. So I put more effort into styling the food, making it look nice. Um, and it was fun. It was almost like a, an expression for me, kind of like art, playing with the food, just, you know, being interested in food was something new for me. Like I had not had any interest in food prior to that. I was in fact, like very afraid of food. So um, that was a great stepping stone for me. And then it just became something that I was really passionate about. And then it's been about, I think it's been maybe eight years now. So now it's a full-time job, which I never could have imagined. Um, but it's been incredible. So, so Rumi, I, I thank you for being honest for, with us and, and, and sharing your story, um, you know, about your eating disorder and, and thinking through like how you choose to show up on social media, because I feel like you know, there's such a movement now of people trying to take social media back a little bit, like back to the intention of what it was, right? When we all first started our own Instagram accounts or, um, you know, I mean, even Twitter to some extent, like it was almost a way to just keep track of one another and to kind of just share thoughts and ideas. And as the space evolved, we all found ourselves getting pulled into this vortex of perfection, um, hyper-styled shots, and just, you know, a lifestyle that didn't seem, I don't know, like authentic or even like achievable to most people. And I would say, as I talk to people who are interested in living more sustainable, they almost feel like the sustainable living is like the Instagram of like the lifestyle movement, right? Like, oh, everybody's perfect. Or... um, you know, oh, I, it, it seems too hard. Like I can't be vegan. I, I can't do it. And so tell me a little bit, I mean, we'll talk more about like how you approach cooking and your, your recipes and everything like that. But tell me a little bit more about how you respond to those questions. Cause you know, 
I can tell you how I respond to them all day long, but I'm curious to know as somebody who's really in the space, um, specifically in the vegan cooking space, like how do you respond when people say that? I'm sure you've had family, friends, et cetera, do this with you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I'm a very extreme person. I think that's part of why <laughs> I had like a lot of those issues in the past. Like once I start with something, it just gets, I can be very intense basically. And so with veganism, I feel like I did go through that phase where when I started out, I was so terrified of anything being, you know, cross-contamination or um, same cutting board, or even just like things that you eat by accident that end up not being vegan. And after like many lifestyle changes, I've just come to realize for most people, it's not sustainable when it's really extreme. And I feel like the best way to approach a lifestyle change is to do your best within reason. Um, and so, you know, if it comes to sustainability, I would say it's the same kind of thing, do your best. Um, but only to the point where it's something that you can actually sustain. Cause I think that's more effective than a month of maybe being zero waste total. And then kind of going back to the plastic bags. Um, but it is tricky. I think like in itself, the whole sustainable living is almost like an aesthetic with like the products that come out that you don't actually need to be sustainable. Like a lot of it is just reusing what you already own or just kind of stopping buying new things. Um, so it's, it's definitely tricky, but I think with all lifestyle changes, there's like many ways to do it. Um, the best way is just to, I feel, be kind to yourself and just be realistic with what is doable for you to make it something that isn't stressful, but just more fun or like a very slow, gradual journey. Um, and I think too, just on the topic of like being extreme, it's something that I really try not to be, especially yeah. as it relates to veganism. I pride myself in not being a, a very preachy vegan or encouraging anyone necessarily to go vegan. I would much rather share a recipe that is just like so good and happens to be vegan that someone's yes. having it once a week or, you know, like lattes, um, having it with oat milk instead. Those are little things that I really celebrate because I think that's how it kind of starts. Absolutely. I think there's so much to the, oh, it's so good. It happens to be vegan. Like we're going to explore a little bit more of that too on Brightly. I actually, um, so my husband and I have been doing a, um, we've been on some, some medication lately. That's really like gotten rid of our appetite and it's been really, we've been struggling to like figure out like, okay, what, what are we going to cook? And one of my friends, uh, introduced me to this book that has a lot of like, uh, recipes that are designed to reduce inflammation and they just so happen to be vegan or a lot of them are. And actually, I don't even think they're styled as vegan, but as I'm making them, I'm like, oh, they're vegan. Well, there's been such, so many recipes that I have created that we are two people from Texas originally, like my husband loves barbecue, but like, you know, grilling up a portobello with like a really good marinade. Like there's so many interesting things that we've kind of discovered. And I feel like there is that like element of like discovery and fun and just, you know, being graceful with yourself as you're trying out new things, right? Like you don't have to just say, here's my fridge. Let's pitch out every single, you know, non-vegan item, but you can kind of start slow and figure out like what makes the most sense to you. And I feel like you're, I love the oat milk reference. That's such a good one. Like, I think a lot of people, if you haven't had a good oat milk latte, you'd be surprised. Like, I mean, it gets pretty, pretty close quote unquote, but like, what do you need? Like, do you, do we have to be so close to, to like dairy, like uh, milk anyway? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think oat milk has taken the world by storm, which is great. And I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Right. And you can even make your own oat milk, which we we've shared recipes on that before, before too. Um, so thinking more about like small steps that people can take this because you and I are kind of on that on that topic. 
One thing that I've found to be really impactful, and I know you do too, is to think about food waste and like, you know, whether you're meal planning or, you know, creating a recipe that has some leftovers. Tell me a little bit about how you think about reducing food waste. Cause I'm like, that's like my thing. I'm like high-fiving myself when I do that. So I want to know your tips and tricks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, food is very important to me because I feel like I'm just constantly around food and spend the most time in the kitchen out of all the places in my house. So, um, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at it. One is like the food itself. And the other is just the kitchen. Cause I think there are so many things that we use in the kitchen that can be replaced with, um, infinitely reusable items. So that's something I'm also really proud to say that I've, you know, done a good job in that category. Um, but food itself, I feel like the first easy step I would say is like composting scraps because it's inevitable that sometimes things are going to go bad. And I feel like it's easy to collect. Um, I used to live in New York city and I was in a tiny apartment and I had to compost at the farmer's market, you know, once a week. And if I oh, didn't wow. make it, I was like, Oh no, but I made yeah. it work. You know, you can keep the Tupperware in the freezer. <laughs> it doesn't smell at all. Um, now I live in LA and I have a compost service. So that's been amazing, but there's always ways to kind of do it. And you'd be surprised like your actual garbage can will not smell as much either without the food in there. Um, so I think that's a really great step and can be essentially free if you have that service available, you know, through your community somehow. Um, and I would say aside from that, just like being really organized about what it is that you're buying really helps to minimize food waste. And I also personally love the freezer. I am just notorious for like throwing things in the freezer Me too. and figuring out ways to use it. So yes. I feel like that's underrated. Like use the freezer, you know? Yes, absolutely. No, we, um, so I, I just had my first daughter about 10 months ago and she, I mean, it's been quite a journey, but one thing that has really made me love using the freezer is prepping food for her. Um, and just being able to not only, you know, make food for, you know, the grownups and the adults, but then taking the odds and ends that are left over from vegetables, et cetera. Like for instance, we just did grilled cauliflower steaks last night. Um, and we had some leftover cauliflower. So I just threw it and we have this, like, it's actually, it's funny. It's like a little steamer food processor in one. It's called the, the baby, baby cook. I actually but... know what that is. Like, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't have kids, but I do know what that no, is. No, it's, it's amazing. Actually, I think we're going to sell it on Brightly pretty soon. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I like, it's called the baby cook. I don't think that baby uh, needs to call it baby cook because I have used it for so many things for adults. But anyway, I just chucked that leftover cauliflower in that steamer blended it up and then had, um, just like a little bit of cauliflower, um, mac and cheese, quote unquote for her. And so from my perspective, you're right. It's not only an organization thing, it's a creativity thing and realizing that like you can reuse a lot of those odds and ends, but you can also use that freezer. Like if it's about to go bad, cut it up and put it in the freezer. Like you'd be so surprised, especially raw ingredients too. You don't have to like, even just you know, be worried about, oh no, what do I make and then put in the freezer, right? I feel like that's been kind of an unlock for me lately too. Yeah, definitely. I actually saw today, one of my friends posted on her Instagram story about open cans of tomato paste and like just throwing that in the freezer too, like really shape. And I was like, that is actually one I'd never thought of before. So I love that. Um, And aside from that, I would say like product wise, I mean, if you spend a lot of time in the kitchen, I feel like it makes sense to invest in like some kitchen towels. Um, I haven't purchased paper towels in many, many years and it feels amazing. I think inevitably it pays for itself too, which is really nice. Um, So, you know, just making swaps like that, I think are also super helpful and can make your freezer look a little nicer too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of reusable kitchen towels too. They also 
I mean, look, they get stuff cleaner than a paper towel. As long as you have a good system set up to like handle your dirties and your, your cleans, like you can really get, get a lot done. So no, I, I love those swaps and just like, you know, giving yourself again, grace, like you're obviously not going to be able to do everything perfectly, but just understanding that if you can be a little bit creative, it, it's super interesting. Um, Tell me a little bit more about um, maybe some of your favorite, we've talked about some of your favorite, like, I guess, product related swaps. And we did mention the, the oat milk latte, but what are some other like interesting, um, you know, maybe p- popular uh, recipes that you've created amongst, you know, both vegans and non-vegans? Be curious to know, like, what are some that come to mind for you? I would say the ones that come to mind are definitely the ones that maybe don't scream vegan when you look at them. So it's like noodle stir fries, like a pad thai, for example, um, or like a peanut cucumber noodle dish, things like that, that don't have any meat in them, but don't scream vegan. Like there's no tofu, there's no nutritional yeast. Um, I think (laughs) that's a great starting point for a lot of people. It's just like something that seems normal. And when you think about it, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are vegan, um, you <laughs> that's know? So true. It's like funny when people tell me I've never had vegan food and I'm like, I feel like you probably had fruit before. Uh, but sometimes that label can be a turn off for people. So it's understandable, you know? So I think I try to keep it a little more ambiguous sometimes. And I think the Asian recipes definitely seem to resonate a little bit more because I think that's kind of missing in the vegan recipe space a little bit, like cultural dishes as a whole. I think when we think of vegan food, we have a very Western idea of what that exactly looks like. Um, you know, there's no real nutritional yeast usage in like Asia really. And so I think it's just something that people can relate to that might be missing because food is so emotional for a lot of people and very personal. And I think, um, when you see food that you recognize and is like nostalgic for you, and it happens to be vegan, that might be more interesting than like having to switch not only the kind of food that you're eating, but now like the dishes and the cuisine that you love and grew up with. Um, So I've tried to kind of infuse a little bit more of that into my recipes lately. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was going to ask you a little bit about what, what's inspiring you behind a lot of your dishes. And it does sound like there's a, you know, a big, um, you know, focus on Asian cuisine and wanting to kind of up-level some of those recipes, both you were familiar with and then other ones to, to really bring in that, that vegan, um, point of view. Cause I agree. Like I, I'm not a nutritional yeast fan. I just cannot get on that, that bandwagon occasionally, like in a recipe, I can handle it. But one time somebody one time somebody handed me some popcorn with like that sprinkled on top and they were kind of like oh it's cheesy popcorn and I was like oh no 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 that that is not that does not taste like cheese we are not we are not doing that um but yes I think just making sure that when people are you know going out and trying new recipes giving them a variety giving them you're right recipes that are familiar to them can be so important and so comforting um especially ones that are like closely related but they're like not trying to replace because I feel like that's when you get in the hot the hottest water right (laughs) right anything foamy I am bound to get I mean a lot of engagement on the post but it's not necessarily positive so I'm personally not a fan of that um but I just think it's nice to know that you don't have to give up your culture or enjoying meals with your family to eat vegan and that's something that I really believed when I first went vegan I always brought my own food to like restaurants even. And I would kind of stress about spending long times of period with my family. Cause I'd just be like, this is not going to work for me. Like, how am I going to eat my salad? And then I realized that it's so much more fun also to even experiment or kind of test with your family and see how can we make this vegan or what kind of versions can we come up with? Um, it's just a little bit more fun that way, you know, cause your options are a little bit more limited. So I think it kind of pushes you to be more creative about what it is that you can eat. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, there, there were just so many things in there that resonated with me, but yes, just like trying to not be the odd one out when you're eating with family and friends, thinking through all of that has just been, you know, just an interesting piece. Like I said, I myself am not vegan, but I, I definitely go, um, you know, and, and, and try and eat as much, um, you know, as, as less meat as I possibly can. And actually it kind of reminded me, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I want to talk about it because it's something that we see a lot ourselves too at Brightly and Good Together, which is kind of dealing with the negative comments or like the trolls in the comments, because I don't know about you. I feel like it's like had an uptick recently where we're, we're kind of getting shade from both sides of, of the spectrum. Like we've got the people who would never be vegan or never go meatless and just, you know, want to, want to be angry from that perspective. And then you have the other people who are like trying to be the most, they're trying to be the most perfect, or, you know, they're, they're over here with all these statistics and facts and, um, you know, opinions, because at the end of the day, a lot of sustainability related things are still opinion based because it's really, really hard sometimes to come up with the quote unquote most perfect way to do things. So then you have those people on the side, like kind of like, you know, like, yeah, why are you even comparing this to faux meat? Meat's terrible. So tell me a little bit about like, you know, especially coming from um, a place where you you started with vulnerability and honesty and authenticity. Like, how do you personally deal with some of this interesting uh, commentary going on? I think it's a great question because you're right from both sides. I actually get it. I'll have criticism from vegans also, you know, you're not vegan enough or you shouldn't want to eat processed foods. It should be, you know, whole plant foods only. And then of course the kind of carnivore side or just people who are resistant um, when it comes to anything vegan or vegetarian. And I think I try to look at them as an opportunity for education. And a lot of the time, um, I find that if you respond in a really kind way, it almost kind of makes them look silly because sometimes they're very unkind. Um, but I, I try and approach it that way first, because I think it's an opportunity to share something new. And half the time I feel like I'm surprised that, you know, they'll kind of come around and say, oh, they were genuinely just asking a question. So a lot of the time the question is kind of an in, I feel like to have a good conversation, but um, there are definitely times where <laughs> people have their opinions and it's just like, no matter what you say, they want to be right or insinuate that you're wrong for what you're doing. And the way I look at it is very much kind of everyone should do what they think they need to do for themselves. And I, that's part of why I'm also very careful about never saying, you know, go vegan or, um, you know, you've got to just meet. I just kind of share mine and I tell them, well, you know, do as you like, this is what I like to eat. And that's kind of it. And, um, it leaves less room, I would say for kind of the criticism that I'm telling people what to do or being the stereotypical vegan. But, um, I try my best. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> I try my best to approach it as like a, an opportunity for learning. And, you know, if I'm able to even just agree with someone and also show them that vegans are not always going to fight you about what you believe we can agree to disagree or, respect each other, despite having different opinions. Um, I think that's really important too, because I do think it's great, um, to eat more plant-based, but I'm personally not a believer that everybody needs to go vegan to be an environmentalist. I feel like it's something different for everyone. There are ways that make sense for everyone. Like for me, that'd be the kitchen, you know, for other people it could be in the office. Like there's just so many ways that you could do better for the planet. It doesn't have to be vegan. And being realistic, there's so many reasons why somebody might not be able to be successfully vegan, including health, medication. It's just 
access. It's not, it's not a black and white thing. So um, I try to be open-minded, but I will say, I, I think it's best when I don't reply to comments right away. Sometimes <laughs> take a breather, know you're right. you know, come yes. back. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Take, take a beat, come back. Um, and you're right. I think from, from my perspective, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it, but yeah, you're right. Like, I think it's symptomatic of a lot of what's going on in the world right now in general. Like I feel like people have just kind of lost the ability to have constructive conversations. It just kind of quickly devolves into kind of shouting matches, if you will. But the other thing that you said that, that really resonated with me was, you know, um, thinking more about how to address some of these problems from the lens of accessibility. So understanding that many, many people live in food deserts. Many, many people don't have access to, you know, a lot of fresh ingredients, which, you know, for better, or for worse, a lot of vegan um, cooking does require a lot of fresh ingredients. And so, you know, to, to say that a lot of these issues are really cut and dry and simple is to just totally um, not, you know, it's to totally miss the point. And that is really why, you know, we started this podcast because we always felt like a podcast was a good forum to talk about these things because it's, they are conversations, they are ongoing. Um, but it's something we're always working towards, um, both as individuals and, you know, as, as people as, you know, that they're in the, in the ecosystem. So I think it's super interesting. Um, well, Remy, I mean, look, we, I know we didn't even get a chance to talk about a lot of your cooking and your recipes, but look, listeners, we're going to include a ton of links, um, to, you know, Remy's blog or her social media so that you can like you know, get into some of the things that you talked a little bit about, but um, kind of wrapping things up. I mean, we, we typically like to end our episode with the same question to all of our guests, because I'm always really fascinated to see how they answer it. So the question would be, you know, from where you sit, either as like a vegan food blogger or just an individual, what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing in the ethical and sustainable sort of lifestyle movement going on right now? I think what's been the most exciting is this open-mindedness to food or just doing things in a different way. Um, and I think with that comes more understanding that there are different ways to do things. And I think maybe the acceptance that, you know, there is kind of a problem and we have to address it. It's kind of becoming a little bit more impossible to ignore. And I think, um, what's been the coolest for me to see, at least on the brand side, you know, working with different food brands, are the brands that go out of their way to not only make kind of a, uh, I guess, not net, but more, how do I say this? Um, instead of neutral, they're actually trying to go positive, if you know what I'm yes. saying. So regenerative yep. agriculture, for example, is one. Um, giving back more than you're taking. That's something that I see that's really exciting as a trend. And whether or not it's for, you know, to look better as a brand, like I don't really care personally. I think it's an awesome thing to do. And I hope it becomes more of a trend because- we really do need to start, I think, putting in more than we're taking. We've already done that for so many years. So I hope to see that continue, um, you know, and that could be sustainably packaged vegan products. I think that could be awesome. There's just always room for improvement, but personally, I'm a big fan of doing um, more, <laughs> more good than harm. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. I, um, there, I, we are just starting to see the very, very first bits of that, that 
philosophy, I feel like instead of yes, giving back just a little bit of profits or whatever. I think it's really, really exciting to see companies and brands taking taking things a little bit further. You're right, regardless of the reasons, because it's hard for us sometimes to figure what those are. Uh, well, Rumi, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we I've had such a great time chatting with you and listeners. Um, like I said, we're going to leave links um, and everything. But if you want to find Rumi on uh, on Instagram, she's at VeggieKins, K-I-N-S. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.